I am not going to pull any punches. This is the most consequential election in my lifetime. What's going to happen in about 20 days will make a profound difference in the future of this country. And I want to strongly encourage you to vote policy and not personality. We're constantly looking at how people talk and how they dress and how they come across. You just need to look at policy. In order to help you do that, I've got some voter guides. This is the first time I've ever done that. It doesn't say vote for this person or that person. There's a party voter guide. It's going to give you an idea of what each party stands for. You need to look at the Word of God. You need to look at what these parties are seeking to promote, and you need to vote in accordance with the values that I hope you hold based on this scripture. Amen? Amen. So I'm not up here to tell you who to vote for, but I am here to tell you that you need to do more than... Last election, honestly, you know, I just... You could have tossed a coin. I, it, it was very unclear to me. Um, but this election, I think, is very clear. Once again, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you that there, are, there is a clear choice um, when it concerns the policies that these two parties stand for. All right, They're, they're both headed by very imperfect people, but nonetheless, we need to vote policy and not personality. Um, so in keeping with that, uh, believe it or not, this is the introduction to a message about the end is near because uh, I want to make some things clear from the Scripture. And this is really the last, uh, the last message that I have planned in this series. I told you that it was going to be a brief series. I wasn't going to try to go verse by verse through the book of Revelation or something like that. I've just tried to make some basic things clear to you, starting with the fact that the end is judgment uh, Christ is going to return. He's going to bring justice to the earth, that that's what we're heading for. Um, and then I told you that there were clear signs from Matthew 24. That's Jesus' statement about end times. Sometimes uh, Bible scholars call that the eschatological discourse, eschatological meaning having to do with end times. And I gave you five different signs that Jesus covered in the first 14 verses, beginning with apostasy. There's be a, there will be a great falling away, uh, persecution of Christians, family division, lawlessness that leads to lovelessness, and then false teachers, false doctrine, and false prophets. Now, there's a sixth sign, and I'm going to cover that today at the end of this message. But let's take a look at the notes that I've given you here. Um, and ask you a question. Do you know the signs of our times? In, uh, in the scripture, it's, uh, it's really an almost overlooked little verse um, that is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And when we read through the scripture a couple years ago, when you get to Chronicles, 1 Chronicles in any event, it just bogs you down because it's just lists and lists and lists of names and numbers and names and numbers. But there'll be these little jewels that will be stuck away in there. And 1 Chronicles 12, 32, at least the beginning of the verse, is one of those. It says, of one of the tribes of Israel, of the sons of Issachar, Men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. My question is, do you understand the times in which you live? You see, here's what I think. We're just so bogged down with our everyday life. We're just, you know, we're bothered. 
right? It's annoying. I got to wear a face mask and, you know, all of this. other stuff. But we just really haven't figured out what's going on, I don't think. I don't think that we've understood the times. Well, Jesus talked to the people of his day. Now, I told you uh, last week and, and the week before last that the Pharisees and the Sadducees represented two religious parties, but for the, the Jewish people, those religious parties were also political parties. They, they didn't see any distinction there, okay? You had the Pharisees, and they were the left wing. They were very legalistic, right? They had all these rules that you had to obey, and Jesus blistered the Pharisees, all right? That was uh, chapter 23 of Matthew. Had we read that before the eschatological discourse, you would have seen him come down like a ton of bricks on the, the Pharisees. The Sadducees were the conservative party. They didn't want to change anything. The only books in, the, in, the, in our Bible that they accepted were what we call the Pentateuch, the law, the first five books of the Bible. They were the keepers of the temple. And Jesus said that they were clueless. He said, you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. So Jesus basically swept away the political parties of his day, the religious parties of his day, so that he could speak the truth to you and I. Listen to what he said to those same Pharisees and Sadducees, and I, I think that he would say some of this to today's Democrats and Republicans. Matthew 16, 1 through 3, Jesus says, And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. How about you? Can you interpret the signs of the times? Do you think COVID-19 is a sign of the end it's not. Did you know, and you've heard me mention this, so you should know if you've been here, that the Black Plague wiped out half, between a third and half of Europe in the Middle Ages? The end didn't come then, did it? We have COVID-19, which for most people, particularly the people in this room, your age, is a minor annoyance. So last week, uh, Trump got it, went to the hospital, got over it, tweeted that it was like the flu, and the Twitterati pr prominently, uh, promptly removed his tweet. I don't, it, there's just no belief in free speech, even if it comes from the president. You can disagree. That's okay. But see, we've come to a time when people just are not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to have that opinion. But we should be able to have a conversation. You see, healthy debate and healthy conversation helps you to make up your mind. It helps you to, to evaluate things. But see, not when you have an agenda. Not when you have an ideology. Then the other side is not allowed to think and they're not allowed to speak. So how long are we going to have this opportunity to have free speech and address one another like this? I don't know, right? But number one in your notes, COVID-19 is not a sign of the end. Now, I give you a couple of passages there. Obviously, those passages are not saying COVID-19 is not a sign of the end, right? But Luke 22, 8 through 11 represents uh, Jesus' eschatological discourse, the same speech that he gave or teaching that he gave uh, on the end of time, but Luke's version. And if you look at Matthew's version from a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said there will be wars, there'll be rumors of wars, there'll be earthquakes. He said, don't worry about these things. He said, the end is not yet. Those are just the beginning of the birth pangs. The reason I gave the Luke version is because in Luke, he adds, and plagues. 
So we've always had these. There's always been wars. and We went through two world wars. It looked like the world was going to end in World War I. They called it the war to end all wars. And then we turned around and had World War II. Right? And then we had the Korean War. And so on and on. There are always going to be these wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be plagues. There's going to be earthquakes. We need to stop freaking out every time something like that happens and think that that means that we are at the end. Now, here's something interesting that I'll give you from Revelation. I um, spoke a little bit last week, talked about uh, that the Lord is going to seal those that belong to him, the, the, represented by the 144,000, and they will be protected from the day of wrath, from the day of judgment, from that, uh, that end time when Christ will return and, and when the, the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. God protects his people. So if you're in Christ, you are one of those people and you're protected. Amen? That's just very important. Um, I, you know, when 911 happened, uh, I was right in the middle of where I just really liked numbers and how numbers sent me to scriptures. And so 911, 911, Psalm 91.1 says, those who uh, are in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's a good 911 right there. I'm going to, you know, we, we, were, we were terrified and, you know, we were, our, our leaders were terrifying us in March, telling, shelter inside, stay inside, don't go outside. 16 people in the entirety of Dallas County, 2.6 million people had died reputedly as the result of COVID-19, and we're all sheltering inside. Well, we trusted our leaders. And now what do we see? And what do we find? Well, I wasn't scared then. I'm not scared now. Amen? Because I know who has me, and I hope you know who has you. Now, that was last week. That was, uh, you'll find that in Revelation chapter 7, and then again in chapter 14, you will see that the Lord removes those 144,000 from the earth before he pours out the bowls of wrath. So remember, again, if you're interested in reading the book of Revelation, it is, it is divided or organized according to sevens. So in the first three chapters, there are seven churches, and they represent what's going on in what we might call the church age. There are different types of churches there. You might see some, uh, some instruction for our church there. You might see some instruction for another church that you have been to there, right? And then there's a little interlude where we have uh, the lamb who comes, and he, he is given this scroll to open, and the scroll is sealed with seven seals. And the lamb is the only one who is permitted to open that scroll. And so then they begin to break the seals. So that's the next division, the seven seals. The first four seals are the, the famed horsemen of the apocalypse. How many of you have ever heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? All right. So let's, let's take a look at that real quickly. This is Revelation 6. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, I'm just going to tell you there are various interpretations as to who this rider on the white horse is, but I believe that this represents the gospel that at the outset of everything that's going to end, what we find is the gospel is going to go into all of the world. Amen? All right? 
And then we have the, the next one. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. So this is, this is war, is what this horse represents. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not change the, or damage, excuse me, the oil and the wine. So this represents famine, right? The cost of food, basic food staples will go up. And then the fourth horse, when the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Chloros is the Greek word here. It's this, this ugly green, basically. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. Hades is the Greek word for the realm of the dead. Uh, for the Hebrews, it was Sheol, right? This is where the dead reside until Judgment Day. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague. Did you hear that? There it is. Sword, famine, and plague given right over a fourth of the earth and by the wild beasts of the earth. So here's what I think is going on. This is what happens at the outset. But as I've indicated to you, we've been walking along the edge of the end of time for 2,000 years. Now, I did a little math a ways back, and uh, I had uh, Pastor Craig, who is a, a math guy, a math teacher, actually, uh, check me on this math. If, as scientists would indicate, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, and I believe that that's probably accurate. I don't think that disagrees with the Scripture, by the way, and we can have a discussion about that if you would like. But if we, see, we, we agree with science that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, Jesus died, was buried, and rose 2,000 years ago. Now, if I just look at 2,000 years, and I look at my lifetime, 2,000 years seems like a long time. It's many, many times my lifetime. But if I look at 2,000 years as a percentage of the overall age of the earth, it's nothing. Right? So if you look at that percentage, 2,000 years versus 4.5 billion years, it's an extremely small percentage with many, 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 many zeros right? But to give you an idea, if you compare um, 2,000 years to, to that amount of time, and you say, okay, if we take that percentage, 2,000 years is to 4.5 billion years, what would that percentage be of 2,000 years? If I take that very, very small fraction of a percentage, then what would that percentage be of 2,000 years? You know what that percentage would be? It would represent eight hours. Eight hours is to 2,000 years as 2,000 years is to 4.5 billion years. What I'm trying to help you understand is 2,000 years is nothing. It's a very, very small percentage. We've been walking along the edge of the end of time for eight hours, if you will, when it concerns the age of the earth, all right? But... I believe that Jesus said the beginning of the birth pangs, okay? So perhaps in the entire 20th century, we saw the beginning of the birth pangs with wars and rumors of wars. We've seen earthquakes. We've seen all these things and plagues and so forth. Jesus 
what Jesus said agrees with these four horsemen, right? When he said earthquakes and plagues and famine and all of that, it's the four horsemen. But I want you to notice something, that the first horse that went out was the rider on the white horse with a crown and with a bow, and I think that that means that the gospel is going to go forth at the same time. Now, as we move into the book of Revelation, uh, the next, by the way, the next seal uh, represents martyrs, and I told you, just read that to you, that uh, there would be a time of apostasy, of, of falling away from the faith, and there would also be a time of persecution, and that persecution gets extreme, and some people lose their lives. That's not the wrath of God. We're all going to die. I would rather die as a martyr than laying in a bed staring at a ceiling for 15 years, not able to remember my name. We need to stop fearing death. You really do. When you're in Christ, death is nothing. You're going to close your eyes on this life and open your eyes to see your Savior. That seems like good news to me. We need to stop fearing death like we're a bunch of pagans. Because I'm telling you, the time may come in your lifetime, in my lifetime, when you have to decide whether or not you are going to follow Jesus, the biblical Jesus, or whether you are going to be arrested, or whether you may even have to give up your life. Now, people don't want to hear these things. I understand that. We all just want to get along with our lives. I'm not trying to give you bad news. I'm trying to help you understand that we need to be ready at all times to meet the Lord, right? Um, the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Can you have that attitude? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Every time I close my eyes at night, I'm like, okay, Lord, take me if you want to take me, right? But you know, that's been since I was a little kid. Uh, I've, I've said this to our children before, but uh, the first prayer that I learned that my mom taught me, other than the, the prayer for your food, God is great, God is good, now we thank you for our food, amen, right? was, now I lay me down to sleep. Did you learn this prayer? Yeah. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And should I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. I've been praying that prayer, Lord take me, since I was a kid. It's okay, right? The clock is ticking down here. You don't know how much time you've got. And I'm not saying that to be negative or dark or whatever. Hopefully you heard me last week. I'm trying to help you be positive and have good expectations, right? Because God is in the business of doing great things even when things don't look so great. Amen? So um, after the, the seven seals, that's when things really get rolling. Then you have seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets represent... Uh, all of these various cataclysmic events that will result in a third of the earth being affected. First, it's a third of the dry land, then it's a third of the ocean, and then it's a, a third of the, the waters and, and, and the springs, okay? And it goes into this series. Now, this is a time when there will be calamity and difficulty, and I believe God's people will still be here during that time. But before the, the final a series of sevens, the, the bowls of wrath, then God removes his people from the earth. The 144,000 representing those people, he removes them from the earth because we're not appointed to wrath. Amen? Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are not appointed to wrath. That's what it says very clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Right? So we're going to be removed before the wrath of God is poured out. So uh, these cataclysmic events each affect a third of the earth, but not the entire earth. 
But when the bowls of wrath are poured out at the end of Revelation, that affects the entire earth. That's why were we to be around still, then we wouldn't be able to really escape that. But I want to show you something that takes place between the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. What takes place is one world government is set up. And that one world government is headed by an individual that, that has been called the Antichrist or that has been called the Beast. I'm going to read that for you right now. This is Revelation 13. Um, the dragon, by the way, is in Revelation 12, and the dragon is Satan, and it very clearly indicates that the dragon is Satan, right? Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast, now I believe here we're talking about one world government, but now one of the heads of the beast, we see now we're focusing down on, on a leader here. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies. Blasphemeo means to speak against. This is speaking against God. This is speaking against Christ. He was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. That's three and a half years. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. Now, this is only for three and a half years, but it does happen. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. This is one world government. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. This is the Lamb who opened the scroll. This is Christ. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but there is another beast that comes up, and this beast comes up from the earth, and this is the false prophet. And the false prophet is there to give uh, authenticity, legitimacy to the beast. He's kind of like the beast's promoter, if you will. But this is false religion. I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to see so-called Christians who will worship the beast. You're going to see this false prophet who may take on the mantle of Christianity among other uh, religions and bring that along. Jesus' identity has been getting stolen for since he started. People like to misuse Jesus' name and reinterpret Jesus and turn him into something that he is not. But at the very end of this chapter, Revelation 13, after we've seen that the second beast is, is uh, given this power and, and he produces signs uh, from, uh, that can be seen, right? Miraculous signs. The devil can work miracles, by the way, right? He's a supernatural being. 
But at the end, it says this. This is verse 18. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Now, I'm not going to try to interpret that and tell you who the beast is or when the beast is, but what I am going to tell you is COVID-19 is not a sign of the end. Number two, the prospect of one world government is. So, those who want to erase borders, who want to create one world order. Now, by the way, this comes from the left and the right. Under George Bush, we created a surveillance state in the wake of 911. And that's the Republicans. The Democrats are promising to put in uh, essentially a socialist state. What we see is a push toward one world order. That is a sign of the end. Now, number three, I'm going to get into a little U.S. Constitution here with you because I want to help you see, I believe God brought this country into existence for a reason, and I'll tell you that in just a moment. But number three, under the U.S. Constitution, government is a servant of the people. Amen? Yes. Government is our servant. Listen to what the preamble to the Constitution says. We the people, let me say that again, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Every single leader that gets into office pledges to defend, to uphold the constitution. When you see leaders who are violating the constitution, those people need to be voted out of office while you can still vote them out of office. Because there are people that you will vote into office that will have to be shot out of office. I'm talking about execution here. I'm talking about war and civil war and those sorts of things that have happened uh, in countries all over the world, right? So be careful who you vote for because there is an ideology that says we want to maintain power. And both sides are, are good at this. Rather than govern and look out for our interests, what we have are two sides that simply want to hold on to power and will do anything to hold on to that power. So I don't care if it's the left or the, or the right, okay? What we need to look at is whether or not these folks are going to uphold the Constitution. Now you say, well, that's not Bible. I don't know why you're teaching it. Hang on, we're going to get there. Because I believe God established, he ordained this country. There's a reason for it. Number four, under the U.S. Constitution, we the people are free to speak, worship, and assemble. What does the First Amendment say? The First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the, of the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's the First Amendment. And there are those who consistently violate the First Amendment today. They don't want you to be able to speak if your opinion doesn't agree with theirs. We're going to shout you down. We're going to keep you from expressing your opinion. Now, you can be on a platform like Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, and because these are private platforms, then you have people that are censoring. 
okay? But will there come a time when we elect officials to government that say, no, you can't say that. You're not permitted to speak. So what if I say um, divorce is bad? What if I say, according to the scripture, homosexuality is not God's plan for anyone's life? Oh, that makes people uncomfortable. Now it's like, no, you're not allowed to say that. So did you know in China today, they actually teach the Bible as a way to further uh, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, agenda. Um, recently, the Chinese Communist Party changed a very important story in Scripture. I am sure that you have heard the story of um, the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember that story? So the Pharisees bring this woman before Jesus, basically throw her on the ground and say, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. The law says that we should stone such a one. Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus just gets down on his knees, writes on the ground. Now, if you want to read the real story that you can still read in your Bible because you live in the United States, then you can turn to John chapter 8, verse 1, and it's in verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus stood up, he straightened up, he looked at them, and he said, let the one of you who has no sin cast the first stone. And then it says, beginning with the older folks in the crowd, they began to all move away until Jesus was left with the woman alone. And he looked at the woman and he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I, they're nowhere to be found. And Jesus said, is there no one here to accuse you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, then neither do I accuse you. Go your way and sin no more. That's beautiful, isn't it? The Chinese Communist Party rewrote that story. At the end of their version, Jesus kills the woman. This is what happens when your agenda must be followed. This is what happens when your ideology gains control. This book is so powerful, and the stories are in it are so powerful that they still want to use them, abuse them, misuse them. And the same thing happens with Jesus all the time. Be careful who you vote for. Be careful. It doesn't just affect you. You get in the voting booth and say, well, I'm just going to be subjective about this and see what kind of a feeling I get. It's clear this election. It's absolutely crystal clear. Vote for a policy, not a person. Number five. Those who are using lockdown under the guise of public health and safety are actually making us slaves of the government. We're dependent on the government for money. We're dependent on the government to give us the, 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 the permission to leave our houses. In my lifetime, that has never happened. I never imagined that, that, would, that I would have to get permission. So here's a judge who I've never heard of in my life in Dallas County who can put down an order and say, you have to stay inside your house or I'm going to fine you $1,000 and put you in jail for six months. That is an abomination. You and I are given freedom to work. We're given freedom to assemble. We're given freedom to speech. Don't give that freedom up under the guise of public health and safety for crying out loud. If you're in danger, take care of your health by all means. But nobody has the right to tell you that you can't leave your house. Nobody. 
this is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And if we don't vote right, we don't vote correctly, we're going to be facing lockdowns over the next year. Who knows how long? You and I need to be, we're not slaves of the government. The government doesn't give you permission. You give the government permission. We, the people, elect officials. And they're supposed to protect us, provide for the common defense, those sorts of things. They're not giving you permission to work. There are people who are told they can't work. In California, the governor has canceled church until January. Where's our constitution? This is not a clear and present danger. If we were in a situation where this was Ebola, well, Ebola has like a 50% fatality rate, then yes, that would be a clear and present danger. This is not, clearly. But fear is being used to rule people. Now I'm going to get to it. Number six. I believe that God ordained the USA in order to establish the freedom to preach the gospel. That's why we exist. Now, that doesn't mean that that's why everybody in the United States is here. That Everybody's not going to preach the gospel, but we need the freedom to preach the gospel. People are permitted to disagree. I want separation of church and state. I don't want a theocracy. Because a theocracy inevitably is led by human beings who are saying that God told them to do this and say this. That's not what we want. We want the freedom to worship. We want the freedom to speak. We want the freedom to preach the gospel. That's why this country exists. And so I pray. I pray fervently. And I'm being strong about this today. That you understand that your vote matters this year. I've heard people say, oh, I don't even think I'm going to vote. You need to go out and vote. There's voter guides sitting back there on the, on the, on the back table. One of them is a presidential voter guide, and the other one will compare the two parties. Look at them. Pray over them. Look at your Bible, and then vote accordingly. You need to vote, right? Because I believe that this country is here so that the gospel can go out. So that's the final sign, right? I gave you those five signs, apostasy, and division and lawlessness that leads to love, uh, love, uh, lo- lovelessness, okay? Um, all of these different signs that I, that I laid out. But the final one is the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So all of these other things are going to happen. They're the beginning of the birth pangs. But when the gospel reaches the ends of the earth, when every person has had an opportunity to hear the gospel, then the Lord is going to return. So what is our responsibility? Sounds like I've been really political today. It's because I want the freedom to worship. Because I'm looking at the prospect of somebody getting into office and saying, you can't go to church because it's unhealthy. Stay home. I'm looking at the prospect of someone who has the power because of fear to control people and to make people more and more dependent on government. I want the government to stay out of our way. That's what I want them to do. 
I want them to allow you and I the freedom to worship and to work and to assemble. Amen? But I believe that God is sovereign. That means that whatever happens, God is capable of taking even the worst things and turning them into something good. Amen? So however bad this looks to you, the Lord is capable of turning it around because I want you to see that the first horse that rode out was the white horse. Not the red horse, not the black horse, not the pale horse, but the first horse that rode out, that rode out was the white horse. You and I are given the responsibility to continue to reflect Christ and to preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. So you haven't heard me up here preaching a particular political candidate. You haven't heard me up here preaching a particular political party. I am preaching Jesus Christ, and I am praying that you will vote so that we are able to maintain this freedom. Amen. This is our responsibility. Now i got the last thing to say to you. You'll be judged according to what you did with that vote. So think about it. Now, I, couldn't, I could not get a clear conscience last year, uh, last uh, uh, election cycle, 2016. There were so many bad things on both sides that I just I couldn't get a clear conscience. And even at the very, very end, I got into the voting booth, and I still could not vote for either presidential candidate. I just couldn't do it because things were not clear the way they are clear now. Now you know what you're going to get yourself into. It's obvious. So, above all, those of you that are you're too young to vote, or maybe you didn't register, uh, I'm sorry about that. You should have. But nonetheless, you can pray. And one thing you and I need to know is that God has given us the privilege and the responsibility to proclaim the gospel. All right? That was the last thing that Jesus said, the Great Commission. Right? He said, go therefore into all the world and make disciples. Amen? Amen. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you. And then Jesus said uh, in Acts chapter 1, he said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth. That's our responsibility. That's our privilege. Let's keep preaching the gospel. Let's keep maintaining a positive attitude because we know that this is a good and loving God. But I did hope, and I do hope, that you will think very seriously about what you do. Early voting, starting on the 13th and I think going through the 30th. So you don't have to wait till November 3rd and look up all of that stuff. Let's maintain this freedom and let's preach the gospel as the Lord has given us responsibility.